Amen. And all God's people said, as we were worshiping today, um, I was thinking and reflecting probably 15 years ago, I was in this building right here praying, and the Lord spoke to me by the Spirit, and he says, you'll not come behind in any good gift. The reason I was in here was praying was because of the uh, dealing with worship and, and believing God and standing for people that would be anointed. And uh, do you realize there are churches that don't even have worship leaders or worship teams? And they play recorded music every week. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that was beautiful today. And we're very thankful, you know, um, that we have Abe and, and the worship team. We're going to be, in the, in the days ahead, using the whole team again. Why did we uh, remove and, and worship, you know, except for Abe? Well, I just felt like we needed to get simplify things. And we've gone through a season, so in the days ahead, we're, we're going to work the worship team back into it again. That's why we're going to need people to work and to help with the sound. Amen? Shane can't play guitar and turn knobs at the same time. Maybe he can, but I don't think he can. So we need to be thankful for what we have. You know, there's always something you can find in your life to be thankful for. And so do that. You'll not come behind in any good gift. Amen? What are we talking about at Harvest Church in this season? Blessings. We said that the Jewish people understand the power of excuse me, of verbal blessings. They understand speaking blessings over their children and their grandchildren. It's been that way for generations. But I I want you to understand, and this is why I'm going to read to you some scriptures here, how we're going to start today. If you do not have a basic understanding or have revelation of the word and the power that's in the word of God, your, your blessings will be ineffective. You must understand that this word is synonymous with power. God's word is spirit. God's word is life. God's word is powerful. And when you speak God's word, it will bless others. That's why I, I always want to make sure when I stand up here, is that I give you the word. It's not necessarily my words, but it's God watches over his word so he can perform it in your life. So please, you know, stir yourself up again. I've started sitting at my desk now, and I'm writing down scriptures covering areas of my life, and I'll tell you what, there's a lot of them. And then I go over and I meditate on those words and I speak softly those scriptures because I believe in the word. I put my trust in the word. So if you want to be a blessing and speak blessings over your kids, you will not be able to do it effectively unless you use the word. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Now, I'm going to read to you some scriptures. So you can just sit back and relax, but don't yawn and don't go to sleep. Deuteronomy 
these are scriptural admonitions that all deal with the word. Proverbs 6.2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 12, verse 25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Proverbs 13.3, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. How many have ever received a word at a certain season in your life and it blessed you? Proverbs 18.2, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Proverbs 25.11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Matthew 12, verse 33, this is the message translation. If you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm-eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. Can you tell about an individual by the words they speak? It says, he says, you have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you're so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. Out of the abundance of the, the mouth speaks. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can um, be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. That's message, but I like that. That just gives it a little different meaning. James 3 says it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. First Peter 3 in the message. Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless... That's your job to bless. Say, my job is to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Let me read that once more. It says, you'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. How many of you want a good day? Then watch the words of your mouth. All of us need to watch the words of our mouth. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word 
<clears throat> proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. So if we want to you know, choose the right words, how did Jesus speak? How does God the Father, what's behind his word? God is a God of love, a God that forgives. Amen? And so we should imitate God in all of that. God never does anything without saying it first. God never does anything without saying it first. He releases his faith with his words. Amen. So those words right tell you, those scriptures let you know how important your words are, how you speak to each other. How do you speak to your kids? How do you speak to your parents? <clears throat> Boy, it'd be a good job. I could stop right now and talk about how kids should speak to your parents. I got no amens, just some laughs. Amen. And it works both ways. Now, the history of blessing. You remember Ephraim and Manasseh. You remember those two? Whose sons were they? Joseph's, right? Okay. They were born in Egypt. The first son he named Manasseh, which means making forgetful. Joseph said, for God has made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. The second son he named Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. The Jewish people have spoken this blessing over their children for generations. In other words, you're going to forget the pain of your past and your future is going to be productive. Your future is going to bear much fruit. Is that a good blessing? How many of you today could say, I need to forget some things of the past? God says, you can do that. Forget those things that are behind and press on towards those things that are ahead. And then remember and renew your mind to the fact that our Heavenly Father is a giving God, a loving God, a merciful God. He's thinking good thoughts towards you and I. He has a plan for your life and my life. Amen? And he wants to bless us. You know, too many times we associate blessings with, you know, just finances. Well, there's, there's much more than that. Amen? Good health, that's a blessing. Good relationships, a good household. Amen? All things need to be remembered like that and, be, and, and thank him for. Amen? Now, I want to read this. I've read this to you before because we're going to get into the meat of this, and I won't probably get through this this morning. But the author on this book on blessing, he makes this statement. Could it be that, that giving and receiving verbal blessing is God's way for his people to counteract hell's counsels and reverse the flow of iniquity from generation to generation? Could it also be God's way of bringing wholeness and completion and healing to those who never received a spoken blessing from those who should have blessed them? Do you know how many out there in this generation today, young people, have never verbally been blessed? You know, they talk about baptizing your baby, and but, you know, the, the, the correct scriptural way is, is dedicating your baby to the Lord, your child to the Lord, and you do that by way of verbal blessing. 
Amen. There are people out there today that have never received a word of encouragement, never been blessed by parents that cared. There, you, you sit here today, sometimes I think we're in a bubble. And we think everything's just fine. But I'll tell you, there are people out there. There are children out there that have not been blessed. That's why we've got to bless the kids. You work with children. You hold those babies in the nursery. You work with them in children's church. You bless them. What did Jesus do when they came to him? He blessed them. Now, well, I don't know all the scriptures. Well, can you say... Be blessed in Jesus' name. That would be a good start. But there are so many out there, come from broken homes, didn't have parents, maybe one parent raised a kid. Do you agree with that? Maybe you were one of them. But when you come to Christ and you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you recognize who you really are if you'll renew your mind to the Word of God. Um, we're going to, what I want you to understand today, why the blessing is so important. Why is it so important for a parent or a grandparent to bless your kids or your grandchildren? This is why, bottom line, because it determines their destiny. It determines their destiny, whether they're going to fulfill the plan of God for their life. So you might know kids, you might know young people, <clears throat> come from a tough background. You can speak the word of God over them. You can bless them in the name of Jesus. You got grandkids, you know. If the parents aren't raising the kids right, then grandparents start speaking and declaring a thing, and it shall be established for you, and light shall shine upon your pathway. Speak the word. Bless them. How many times? We're, we're so, I don't know, we're so, <clears throat> trying to think of the right word. We, we don't speak enough blessing over our kids. We don't tell them that they do good things. We're always so quick to point out what they're doing wrong. Don't do this. Don't do that. <clears throat> You're going to grow up just like so-and-so. <clears throat> they need a word of encouragement. How many of you, <clears throat> as an adult, needs a word of encouragement once in a while? Amen? We all need that, and we all appreciate it. So, blessings determine your destiny <clears throat> blessings determine your identity. And this is what I want you to understand this morning. Let me make this statement. <clears throat> Verbal blessing and affirmation are emotional building blocks vital for personal growth and development. Let me say that once again. Verbal blessing and affirmation are emotional building blocks vital for personal growth and development. So not only does it determine your child's destiny, but it helps them grow. It helps develop them and cause them to mature in the things of God. Esau sold his birthright, did he not, for a meal. Jacob then 
through the help of his mother, deceived some people, amen, and robbed Esau of his blessing. Esau's cry. Now listen. Esau's cry and the cry of every person's heart in this generation, in our generation, young or old, is just what Esau said. Bless me also, O my father. Esau was a broken man. Did he get a blessing? Well, he he didn't get the blessing he should have. Yeah, he said some words over him. But that's the thing. I want you to understand, if you're dealing with with young people, you're dealing with children, look in your own neighborhood. I, I, I I can tell you where they live, and I can tell you what their home life's like. I've talked to some of these kids. And I'll guarantee you, they do not have a parent or parents that are speaking blessings over them at all. So, you know, you're here today, you have no excuse because you've heard the truth. And if you're not speaking blessings, and we'll get into more detail on how to do that, you need to start now. And if all you can say is, be blessed in Jesus' name, then do that. Amen? Now, the importance of your name. The importance of your name. Developing intimate relationships later in life, now listen, is difficult if a person was not nurtured and loved at a young age. Developing intimate relationships later in life is difficult if a person who is not nurtured and loved at a young age. So these these children need affirmation. They need encouragement. They need to be built up. Now, you can go the other distance, too. You can go get on the other side of the road where all you do is say, Kenny, you're perfect. You've never done anything wrong. It's always everybody else's fault. There's parents like that out there. Come to ball games with me. <clears throat> Last one today. Hallelujah. No. <laughs> Not necessarily if you win. Oh, you don't plan on winning? Oh, you're playing Columbus. Well, let's, let's go down swinging. Amen. Now I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? <clears throat> we have parents that sit, <clears throat> and sometimes I just get up and walk away because the parents are yelling for their kids. Their kid gets out there, and the parent will start, yeah, da, 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 da. The, then, then what bothers me, that's all right. You can go yell for your kid. But when they start yelling for other kids, come on now, get with it. In other words, they're placing the blame on everybody else but their child. So you understand you can get in a ditch. But what I want you to understand today is, is, you know, begin to speak blessings. You wonder why people don't have good, solid, healthy relationships is because they've never been raised in an atmosphere. They've never really been encouraged. They've never really been officially blessed. And so they, they're like lost souls out there. Now, I want to read to you <clears throat> one of the author's stories. And I think you'll understand once I read this. 
And I happen to be wearing a blue shirt today, so does he. Who's got blue on? So I guess everyone wearing blue, this applies. Because he talks about the blue man. He says, in his best-selling novel, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, Mitch Album tells a story about the blue man. The blue man, as he was billed by a traveling carnival, had a plight that is all too common. The essence of who he was, his identity, was cursed and belittled when he was young. The blue man was christened with the name Joseph Korvelchek. When Joseph's family immigrated from Poland to America in 1894, his father took a job sewing buttons on coats in a sweatshop. As a little, little, as a little boy, Joseph worked in the button, button factory alongside his father. One day, Joseph dropped a bucket of buttons on the factory floor, only to be confronted by the foreman who began cursing him as a worthless boy. Gripped with fear and shame, Joseph soiled his pants in front of his father and his other workers. This incident brought public shame upon Joseph's father. The tension between father and son grew, and Joseph began a nighttime ritual of bedwetting from then on. One day his father saw him when he was washing his soiled bed sheets, and Joseph later said he saw the dirty sheets and then glared at me with eyes that I will never forget as if he wished he could snap the cord of life between us. Joseph began reacting to the shame and guilt he was experiencing at home. He consulted a chemist who prescribed silver nitrate to calm his nerves. Joseph was unknowingly drinking poison. Naturally, the prescribed doses of nitrate had no effect on his nerves, so Joseph began, began taking double and triple doses. It was not long before his skin turned the color of ash and then gray and finally blue. The only job Joseph could get was with a carnival that hired him as a sideshow freak. It was during his life as a professional freak that Joseph was given his name, The Blue Man. The show was simple. I would sit on the stage half undressed as people walked past and the barker told them how pathetic I was. For this, I was able to put a few coins in my pocket. The manager once called me the best freak in his stable. And sad as it sounds, I took pride in that. When you are an outcast, even a tossed stone can be cherished. He says, have you ever felt like the blue man? Has the cord of life between you and the ones ordained to nurture and protect you snapped? This is a fictitious story, but I'm amazed at how often life imitates art, it is absolutely true that when, that when the umbi umbilical cord to our souls has been severed, we will seek out someone, anyone, who will give us an identity and name. Maybe you're like the blue man. Maybe you've tried to find identity by joining one of life's sideshows, but ended up feeling like someone else's property. You were not always a freak. The poisonous venom of a cursing tongue may have slowly penetrated your emotions as you watched your true self turn ashen, gray, and then blue. That's quite a story. But it, it, it hits home the point of how important your, the little ones are. When they're babies, when they're toddlers. Studying this has, is almost rejuvenated and, and uh, be, 
caused me to think back about Harvest Church and what we're called to do. We've always been interested in the next generation. Amen? We've always been interested in young people. We've always tried to promote young people and activities that would bless and cause young people to grow. And I don't think that's changed. If anything, we need to do more of it. We have to find God's way to do it and be more effective in doing it. Your true name, your true identity is the one that God, your Father, gave to you. Your true name, your true identity is the one that God, your Father, gave to you. Now, all of us have a name, right? And uh, <clears throat> people pick names out of the Bible. We, we knew in our heart, Kathy and I, Caleb, that was his name. But we were careful when we named our kids. In fact, I'll never forget this. If, um, if I'm wrong... We picked the name Caleb. Your mother had picked that same name for Caleb. Without even talking or conferring with, with her, she also had the name Caleb. Caleb means bold one. I've, I've, his middle name's Michael. Bold one, Michael means like his God. Micah, of course, is derivative. Like his God, he's... Matt, Micah, Matthew, gift from God. Amen? So I think some of you, younger ones as you have families, you really take time. Have you, did you take time to think about what you're going to name your children? You should. Amen? You can, you can name, you know, it's not just, if you name your kid, you know, Bob or Jim or whatever, James, that's, I guess, a good name, Larry, Kenneth, Bradley, I don't know, what's Bradley mean? Broad, beautiful meadow. What were you doing that night you named him, huh? What? (laughs) Okay. What's Kevin mean, you know? Well, that's, that fits you. It's interesting, though, how you, my folks named me Michael. My folks weren't really Christians, and they, they'd go to church, but they couldn't have given me a better name, one who's like his God. So I grew up, it was always, they called me Mikey. They called me Melky. But, you know, finally, after all these years, Caleb's fiance calls me Michael. That's my real name, Michael. And so when she says Michael, she's saying one who's like his God. Remember Abram? Abraham? Father of a multitude? So your name is important. Amen. Kathleen, I think that means pure one, does not? You really like that, don't you? Let's see, Dean? I don't know. Salesman. I don't know. One who, one who sells cars <laughs> and gets great commissions. But do you understand the name? Now, some of you have named your kids. 
You young ones, Candace, did you, when you named your kids, did you think about names? Yeah, serious, serious stuff. Carly's a beautiful name. Now, <clears throat> if you don't like your name, you know, it's, yeah, your name's important, but it's not everything. Because you need to understand, in Scripture we discover that God often renamed people. Aligning their names with their identities and destinies in him. Now, I bet you can think of some people. I can. I gave you one. Abraham. Abram means exalted father, but Abraham means father of a what? Father of a multitude. Sarai to Sarah. Sarai means bitter, but Sarah means beautiful mother of princes. So every time Abraham and Sarah heard their name, it reminded them of God's covenant promise and their true identities in him. What was Jacob? Who did he become? Israel, okay. Deceiver, Jacob, to prince of God or prince with God. How many remember Simon, Peter? Okay, Simon to Cephas. Simon means reed. What's a reed do? In the wind, vacillates back and forth. Jesus spoke about Peter's true identity by naming him Cephas, or stone. The name Peter comes from the Greek word Petros, which means rock. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, he's perceived, Paul, Paul makes this statement concerning Peter. He's perceived as a pillar in the church. So that's a little different than Reed, is it not? And did he become a rock? And a pillar in the church? Most certainly he did. You shall be called, Jesus said, rock. So, understanding your name, finding your promised name. Revelation 2.17. Turn there, would you? Revelation 2.17. So if you have a baby on the way or you're going to have kids, think about names. Revelation 2.17. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone... And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. To each and every one of us, Jesus gives us a new name. A new identity and a new destiny. Each one of us has our own gifts, do we not? Each one of us is called of God. Each one of our names is different. In biblical days, and I didn't know this, jurors cast white stones into urns to signify the innocence of a person on trial. Through the new birth, we have been acquitted. Amen? 
from the shame of all sin and have been given a fresh start with a new identity. So you hear today, yes, all of us have a past. We might have come, might have been adopted. We might have come from a one-parent home. You know, we might have been raised by our grandparents. Maybe you didn't have the best start in life. But once you make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says you become a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If you didn't have an identity, you have one now through Jesus Christ. And this is the thing that you and I must do daily is renew our minds to who we are in Christ Jesus. I keep, I look at this scripture every day. For some reason, the last few weeks, this scripture, I've been speaking it. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy people, his own special people. Amen? You are special to God. You are loved. I am loved with an unconditional love. We can identify with our Heavenly Father through the Son, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you and I need to forget some of the pain of the past and realize there's plenty of fruit in the future because now our destiny is aligned with God. We're with Him. He's for us. He's not against us. He's behind us. Amen? 1 Peter, look there. I'm almost done. 1 Peter chapter 2. Well, I'm so glad we can use different translations. The Message Bible brings it. I had a man not long ago, less than a year ago, tell me that it was you can't use a message translation. The only translation you can use is King James. As you can see, he's not here today. Okay? People can get off into a ditch. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. Boy, you could stop right there. Meditate on the fact. Rejected, yes, by men, but chosen by God and precious. Say, I'm chosen by God, and I'm precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I should get an amen because that's, that is, that's who we are now. 
And the devil will try to beat you up and speak into your ear and say, remember who you were and where you came from and what your people, your, your family was like and on and on and on and on. You need to remind him who he is and where he needs to go. You need to remind him who you are in Christ. You are a son and the daughter of the Most High God. You have authority over the devil. Amen? I want to close with this. He says, in an age where there seems to be more cursing than blessing, along comes Jesus, the restorer of the human personality. He approaches blue men and women filled with worthlessness, shame, and bitterness of soul and speaks the words, no longer. Say that. No longer. No longer will you be called bitter. Now you will be called beautiful. No longer will you be called deceiver. Now you will be called prince with God. No longer will you be called reed. Now you will be called stone. We looked at the Arianic blessing earlier, but I, he says, I'd like for us to look at it again to see a beautiful picture. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now listen. So they shall put my name. Everyone say my name. God's name. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. I was a little depressed before I started this. I feel better now. I'm just kidding. Because the word gets in you. You begin to discover who you really are. And what you were destined to be in Christ. Did you catch it? Remember that when we were first born, the um, umbilical cords to our souls, our human emotions were the shining, nurturing faces of our mother's. Now notice that when God blesses us, he does so by making his face shine upon us and lifting up his countenance upon us as well. In so, in so doing, he gives us peace and calms our inner beings. You might say when that, when that ultimate umbilical cord into our souls is the shining, nurturing face of God himself. Beloved, this cord will never be severed. This cord will never be severed. God's love is unconditional. Is it any wonder David prayed, do not hide your face from me? He could not bear even thinking about life without the shining face of his heavenly father penetrating his soul. To David, the shining face of God was a symbol of mercy and salvation. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we will be saved. At the end of the Arianic blessing, God the Father gives us a remarkable promise. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. When we receive his covenant blessing, God places his own name upon our lives. And don't let that go over your head. When we receive his covenant blessing, God places his own name upon our lives. Talk about a new identity. 
A quick glance at some of the Hebrew names of God will enrich your understanding of God's unconditional love for you. Jehovah Jireh, I am the Lord who provides. Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, I am the Lord your banner. Jehovah Mikdash, I am the Lord your, who sanctifies. Je- Jehovah Shalom, I am the Lord your peace. Jehovah Rohi, I am the Lord your shepherd. Jehovah Shama, I am the Lord who is there. Jehovah Diskanu, I am the Lord your righteousness. God has honored us by calling us his own and naming us with his own wonderful name. I'll guarantee you haven't thought about this. We need to renew our minds to this. He says, I've often found myself condemning the 12 disciples for their childish arguments and the way they pushed and vied for position in their relationship with Jesus. Don't you find it ironic that 12 blue men, each with his own baggage and dead-end destiny, could argue over who would be the greatest? Those blue men never had any hope of getting out of the little fishing village of Capernaum. And now they wanted to fight over how many sick people they were going to heal and how many dead people they were going to raise and how many nations they were going to shake. They even resorted in their immaturity to to quibbling over who would sit closest to Christ in his heavenly kingdom. But these men had been with Jesus. But these men had been with Jesus. And he successfully spoke new life into who they really were. It just took the disciples a while to compose themselves after they received the spoken blessing of a new identity, a new name, and a new destiny. As you grow in this understanding yourself, you too will see changes in your outlook and destiny. I will have more to say, he says, on this subject, but I want to give you background on how curses may have worked in your life. As you understand more the damage that has been done, you'll better understand how God is working to heal and restore your wounded soul. He says in the next chapter, we'll see how spoken curses can last for generations. We don't think about that. Even if you did not suffer directly from spoken curses, you could be the recipient of generational fallout that is just as deadly. Take heart, he says, will not only find hope for the generational wounds caused by destructive tongues or destructive silence. Did you hear that? Destructive tongues. But, you know, your caregiver, your parent, your grandparent might not say anything, and that's just as bad. He says, but take heart, we'll discover there's healing as well. I'll tell you what, I I don't know about you, but I'm reading this and I'm discovering how blessed I am. How blessed you are. Stand to your feet today.